Hey, I'm Natasha Crane. And I'm Elisa Childers. Welcome to Unshaken Faith, where we equip you to live your Christian faith boldly in a chaotic culture. This week, it hit the news that Arizona Christian University is suing a local public school district for terminating an 11-year-long partnership to provide ACU student teachers to local schools. ACU students had provided free labor for years in order to get on-the-job experience and meet teaching hour requirements for graduation. But on February 23rd, the school board for Washington Elementary School District in North Phoenix voted unanimously to end the contract. Why? Well, it's not because there had been any complaints or incidents involving ACU students. It's because the school board members claimed ACU's stated religious beliefs about biblical marriage and sexuality would make local students feel unsafe. I posted about the egregious nature of this story on social media and a number of Christians commented on how they couldn't imagine why anyone would feel unsafe around Christians. But those kinds of comments betray a misunderstanding of what woke culture means when talking about safety. So today, Lisa and I are going to dig into the implications of this very important story, as well as unpack why woke culture thinks Christians are unsafe. Elisa, lead us off with some announcements and tips of the week. Well, we're getting closer and closer to our Unshaken Conference at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills on May 6th. We are so excited. If you're anywhere in the Southern California area, we would love to see you come out for that. You can go to unshakenconference.com to register for that today. And we're also very excited to announce a third, or I guess you could say it's the fourth location that we haven't been able to announce on the podcast yet, but we're excited to be coming to Tucson. So if you're anywhere in the Phoenix or Tucson area, September 23rd, is your date. We're going to be at Calvary Tucson. And the tickets for that are going to go on sale at unshakenconference.com next month in April. And also you'll be able to register for Nashville, which will be on November 4th at Brentwood Baptist in Franklin. So anywhere in the Nashville area, come out to Brentwood Baptist on November 4th and go to unshakenconference.com to register for those. Those tickets will be on sale next month. Okay, my tip of the week is I wanted to talk about our Bible, Bible reading because I know at the beginning when we premiered this podcast, we were talking about our the different ways we're going about it. My goal was to read two days every day so that I would get through the Bible in half a year. And my goal was to maybe make it in one year. And I am excited to say I am on track to make it in one year. I have, I have failed to do two per day. But as of today, I'm only one day behind. So I just want to encourage everyone out there that if you have started a Bible reading program in January, just pick it back up. If you've let it kind of dip off, it's all right. Get back into it. Even if it, you don't finish in a year, just keep going, keep reading. I'm going to do the same thing. And I'm just going to, I'm going to still try to get that goal of two a day. I know I probably won't make it, but I'm going to try to make it in a year. Now, our, our next tip of the week is actually going to be brought to us by a special surprise guest. Some of you may be familiar with It's our friend Monique Dusan from Center for Biblical Unity. Monique, what's your tip of the week for our Unshaken Faith podcast listeners? My tip of the week is to remember where our unity is found and founded upon. It is founded upon the truth of Jesus and our scriptures. One of the questions that we receive most at the Center for Biblical Unity is how can I have unity with the culture around me, with the atheists around me, with those who are non-believers around me, those in my workplace, people who have no relationship with Jesus? Well, 
while we may be able to find points of agreement, points where our faith may overlap with some of their worldview, to have true biblical unity that's found in things like Jesus's high priestly prayer in John 17 or Paul's words in Ephesians, we have to understand that Jesus must be our foundation for that. And so in looking to have unity with the world, I encourage people to draw back and remember where our unity is founded and our unity first must be founded on Jesus. And so it isn't really possible to have true biblical unity with those of the culture who have no relationship with Jesus. That's good. And and Monique, tell everyone where they can connect with you. Tell them about your curriculum and your podcast. Yes, so you can find us at centerforbiblicalunity.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Center for Biblical Unity. We also have a curriculum called Reconciled, and it looks at the believer's reconciliation in a time where many people are saying that Christians truly can't be unified until one group does a lot of work or reads books or, you know, that different groups have to do different things. We say that our unity is truly found in Jesus Christ first. And you also, was there a third question? (laughs) No, that sounds good. We're going to send people over there. Well, speaking of woke culture, Center for Biblical Unity is going to be a great resource, especially with the material we're covering today, because the story we're talking about has numerous implications for Christians. So let's dig into the details a bit more so that we can really understand what happened. I want to read you the reasoning for the termination of this contract. So this is what board member Tamiya Valenzuela who moved to end the partnership, had to say. She said, at some point, we need to get real with ourselves and take a look at who we're making legal contracts with and the message that that is sending to our community, because that makes me feel like I could not be safe in this school district. That makes other queer kids who are already facing attacks from our lawmakers that they could not be safe in this community. So I really want us to think hard about who we're partnering with. And I want to ask the district, is this school value aligned with what we're trying to do and making sure that all of our students feel safe? That's that word that keeps popping up, safe. Now, that's an end quote there. So keep in mind that this isn't just one board member with an extreme view. In fact, the board approved the decision unanimously. The board president even noticed, uh, noted after the discussion that she was embarrassed to have continued the contract under their watch. Did you get that? She apparently thought it was so obvious that Christian college students should not be teaching in a public school district that she was actually embarrassed by what she considered to be an oversight. So let's talk first about just the practical implications of deciding Christian student teachers are problematic due to simply their beliefs. Now, notice this isn't about these Christian students trying to come in and teach their views on biblical marriage or trying to make some point about biblical sexuality. We have to think about things like what about teachers in the district who are Christians? I mean, should we start an interrogation process to root out anyone who has a specific view of marriage and sexuality? Does that automatically disqualify someone just because they simply hold that view? Uh, well, what about student teachers who don't come from a Christian university but 
also share these views? What about students and teachers of other religions who hold similar views on these types of topics like Jews or Mormons or Muslim? So this is very, very problematic, and it's actually really quite dangerous. But this is what we get when we live in a postmodern culture that has basically removed the idea that objective truth can be known or even exists when it comes to things like religion and morality. So all of the claims that someone might make about objective morality are seen as power grabs, and therefore the conversation shifts from what is true to really who is trying to hold the power, who is trying to control me with fear, who is trying to prop up their own position and use their power to do so. So this is where where the conversation is at these days. No longer are you disqualified from something because of what you're actually trying to teach, but just simply because of something you believe. Yeah, and it's, it's fascinating to me because when you list off those practical considerations, I mean, we're not even talking about who's right or wrong, but just the practical implications, if you started to exclude people due to their beliefs, it seems so obvious that you can't implement a policy like this. You know, you think, how, how did they come to determine that this would be a policy without thinking about all those things, about the current teachers in the district, the current students who are Christian students, all the other religions who have similar views? It's just amazing to me that they're not even looking at that. And one more thought on the practical side, it's interesting to me that Valenzuela says that she wholeheartedly believes in religious freedom. So that's a quote Mm. from one of the articles on this. But she says her concerns are over the institution of Arizona Christian itself. She says that her problem with ACU is that, quote, part of their values is to, and now she's quoting from the ACU website, transform the culture with truth by promoting the biblically informed values that are foundational to Western civilization, including the centrality of family, traditional sexual morality, and lifelong marriage between one man and one woman. So again, that's what the ACU website says, and that's specifically what the board member is saying is such a problem, all those traditional family values that are promoted by ACU. So she believes in religious freedom, and yet she's really concerned that a religious school would so explicitly state these beliefs. So if you read between the lines, her idea of religious freedom is that you can believe whatever you want, go ahead, but there are going to be consequences for saying those beliefs out loud if they go against the popular moral consensus. Mm. And in this case, to say them out loud is actually just to attend a school that has said them out loud, even if you never said a a word about your beliefs on the job, because they haven't had any incidents. Like we said earlier, there's nothing going on here where students are actually going out and telling people about their beliefs. It's just that the school has said out loud what they believe. So just practically speaking, if you're not going to suggest a full-on interrogation of current and prospective teachers to assess their beliefs, a policy along these lines would have to mean that Christian universities who hold to biblical morality will face increasing cancellations of this nature. And I'm guessing that a lot of them will start to bend under the pressure to pull back on what they publicly affirm because it's going to affect students being willing to go to those universities. So all of that is just kind of the practical side of this. But coming back to kind of our focus for today, in light of all of that, a lot of people commented on social media that it's the Christians who should feel unsafe by this discriminatory Mm -hmm. targeting or that they can't imagine how these board members think Christian college students are unsafe in the first place. But here's the thing that we really want to hit home on today. Safety in the language of woke culture doesn't mean what you think it means. Most Mm -hmm. of us think of safety in physical terms, right? But I'm sure these board members aren't actually concerned that ACU students are going to go physically attack anyone. 
In woke culture, safety usually refers to psychological safety from people who hold so-called oppressive beliefs. And of course, oppressive beliefs are those that culture thinks are keeping oppressed groups oppressed. So in this case, a biblical view of sexuality is considered harmful and oppressive to those in the LGBTQ community because the biblical view does not morally affirm all sexual identities and choices. What I think is hard for most of us to grasp is that you don't actually have to say or do anything with respect to your beliefs for woke culture to consider you unsafe as a person. Mm -hmm. This is the big idea, I think, to take away today. You don't have to say anything to be considered unsafe as a person. By merely holding oppressive beliefs, you're considered to be a toxic, hateful person who has to be excised from the lives of the oppressed. That's how we get to a situation like this one. Students who have never said a word about their beliefs are still considered to be unsafe to even be in the presence of LGBTQ students. And I can't believe how much this intersects with the deconstruction movement. Now, of course, the deconstruction movement is largely informed by woke culture. It's very, very woke in the deconstruction hashtag and in the movement. But that's often what happens in families. If somebody's deconstructing their faith, it's not so much that they're thinking, oh, I think my parents got some beliefs wrong, or I think my church teaches some unbiblical teachings. I mean, any teachings that are unbiblical or incorrect, we want to get rid of and we want to, you know, correct those beliefs. But but in the deconstruction world, they've already decided that the church is toxic or harmful or unsafe. You see that word come up over and over and over again. And so often people will leave their churches and in many cases, their own families. They will cut off their families or they'll cut off their Christian friends, not because they're worried that their Christian friends are going to disagree with them on something, but it's because they've already deemed them unsafe. And so this this is just getting in everywhere. It's just fascinating how it, it touches so many facets of life. Well, and another member of the school board said she echoed Ms. Valenzuela's feelings. He said, when I looked into not only their core values, but the statement of faith, which they ask their students to sign and live by, proselytizing is embedded into how they teach. And I just don't believe that belongs in the school. So he's basically saying they shouldn't be sharing the gospel. They shouldn't be proselytizing. Um, and so if a Christian is proselytizing, if they're sharing the gospel, if they're actually trying to convert people, they're viewed as unsafe because they're trying to bring those ideas, those oppressive ideas that keep people oppressed into uh, the conversation. And But, you know, proselytizing is a part of most religions. Uh, so now they would have to actually exclude anybody who adheres to a religion that seeks to make converts. So by nature, you're basically saying, you know, you can't even try to convert me, but I just can't help but notice the hypocrisy in all of this. Of course, even the psychological safety issue, the Christians are the ones who are being threatened to be canceled in this situation. One could argue that the ideologies that are being promoted, they're proselytizing for their view. And so it's just very hypocritical. Yeah, and, and the school has made clear that the students follow all the policies that these local schools that they're going into in the public school district have. And so it, they're not going in there and proselytizing. They haven't done any of that. It's just that these board right. members are concerned that because part of ACU's statements in terms of their mission is to transform a culture, they think that that then implies that, oh, well, these students are going to come in and try to transform the schools, which just isn't even a logical implication of a school's mission statement. Statement. They're just misunderstanding what it means to be a Christian in the first place. There's just no 
awareness of what that would mean. If you want to transform the culture as a Christian, that means so much more than if we send you out as a student teacher, you're going to start telling everyone about your beliefs. So mm -hmm. they're making a conclusion here that doesn't even make sense within the, the context of it. And it's also a really common idea that any kind of proselytizing is is kind of causing violence to someone. And again, mm -hmm. we think of physical violence, but they're thinking of this as an emotional and psychological violence that if you're coming out and you're trying to share what you think is true with someone, they're saying, but wait a second, that implies that I'm wrong. Who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? And that's very offensive to people. So no one wants to be told that they are morally wrong. No one wants to be told that they are intellectually wrong about what they believe. It's in every way you see these ideas of woke culture coming through all the statements from the school board. And you can see videos online, by the way, of the school board meeting where this was taking place. So I'd encourage you guys to go and look this story up. It's it's really important because I think we're going to see more and more of this happening across the country in coming weeks, in coming years, because this is the underlying mentality about woke culture. Well, before we wrap up here, I do want to share that I went to Ms. Valenzuela's social media to see what she had said about all of this. And I have to admit that I was totally appalled by the comments and insults from people who disagreed mm. with her stance on this. Many of them appeared to be Christians from the context of what they said, and there were insults about her size, about the fact she wears cat ears, about her identifying as a queer Black Latina, and all kinds of other stuff. Can I just say that it certainly does not help our case to engage in mockery? It just, it does absolutely mm. nothing. And I could not disagree more with everything that she said. I, I could not disagree with this decision more. I could not disagree with the way she handled it, the way that she's characterizing Christians, none of it. But at the same time, it just seems to support her case of people's views of Christians if this is the kind of stuff that we're posting. And, and I want to believe that no one listening to this podcast needs to hear this. Hopefully, it's just a reminder to go out of your way to show people the reasonable, gracious, and loving way that Jesus would want us to respond publicly. So if you see a situation like this where Christians aren't representing Jesus well online, don't be afraid to comment yourself and respond the way that you should make a case for why you vehemently disagree with a decision like this, but do so without all the insults and the mockery. Yeah, I think social media just uh, is providing such a seedbed for this kind of thing. I see it all over the place. And just as Christians, we should not be uh, engaging in arguments based on, you know, bringing up someone's appearance or, or making fun of them. I just, I think that's I just hate that. And I think social media really propels a lot of that forward. So let's do better than that. And hopefully, like you said, nobody listening to this podcast needs to hear that. But I like your advice there to go ahead and engage and be a good example of how to engage with the ideas um, in a truthful way. And we, let's be, you know, unapologetic about what we're saying, but let's engage the ideas and not do ad hominem attacks making fun of the people. Well, one last thing, too, that I want to mention is that it's a really good idea as Christians to follow the work of law firms that are representing cases involving religious freedom. Like we were just talking about, we're going to see so much of this ahead, and we need to be informed about what's going on. In the case that we're discussing today, it's the Alliance Defending Freedom, or ADF, who is representing Arizona Christian University. And just so you guys know, ADF is the world's largest legal organization committed to protecting religious freedom, free speech, the sanctity of life, parental rights, and God's design 
Design for Marriage and Family. So if you guys are interested in that, you should check out their website, adflegal.org, to see the kinds of cases they're working on, to keep up with them. You can follow them on social media. I do that, and it's really helpful to just get an idea of the kinds of things that they're covering and how the courts are handling these cases. They're going to have to set some precedents for the future. Um, and these are really important cases for Christians to know about. So please definitely go out and follow them. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Natasha Crane podcast and the Elisa Childers podcast. We do long form episodes where we go deeper into topics like these. And for now, let's remember that as Christians, we have a firm foundation to stand on that as Psalm 62 puts it, is our rock and salvation, our fortress where we will never be shaken. Oh, 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 oh,